This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all things happening in and around the Lakeland area. Here's your chance to plan your family activities and learn more about what your city government and your neighbors are doing to make Lakeland a great place to live, work, and play. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the January edition of the Listen Lakeland radio show, a show that highlights people, places, activities, and organizations that make our community an exceptional place to call home. I'm Carol Phillipson, a board member of Lakeland Vision. On today's show, we will discuss transportation in our city. Joining me this morning is Pat Steed, also a board member of Lakeland Vision and a long-term transportation planner. Transportation is many things to each of us, and it's many things to our Lakeland community. It's also many things to the vision for Lakeland's future. Today we are going to explore some transportation initiatives that are making changes in our transportation choices today and some that may shape our future transportation system. I'm Pat Steed. As Carol mentioned, I've been on the board of Lakeland Vision for a long time and also involved in transportation. So we're very excited this morning uh, to talk about this topic uh, that has recently had a lot of interesting things going that we plan to share with you this morning. Carol, our updated Lakeland Vision has four focus areas and transportation has a role in each of those. It looks at the importance of having convenient, modern, safe, and efficient transportation alternatives to enhance livability and improve connections throughout our community and our region. This would support the focus series of strong and safe neighborhoods and activities for a diverse community. In support of transportation's importance to Lakeland Vision, one of our most active committees is transportation. Carol, as the co-chair of that committee, could you tell us what that committee is working on and how you work with transportation providers in the community? Let me sort of give you a, a background. We began as a transportation committee and started identifying the gaps in transportation for our Lakeland residents. We soon realized the needs were so great, we needed to focus our efforts where the need was greatest. We identified that as the working poor and seniors. We invited various agencies to come speak to our committee. Some of these were Elder Point, the Lakeland Housing Authority, Florida Baptist Children's Home, One More Child, among others. We also met with Tom Phillips from the Citrus Connection and Stacy Campbell Dominic from Career Source. We were ultimately renamed the Transportation and Affordability Committee because of the close ties we found between the two. As you've been doing this work, what has surprised you most in getting to know more about Lakeland's transportation system? I think the biggest surprise was the close relationship between the transportation gaps and the ability of our employers in Lakeland to be able to hire and retain workers. Some of this related to bus schedules and timing with shifts. And they would find that people would not show up for work or be late to work and it would be related to their car didn't start their ride couldn't pick them up so it has a direct impact your current work in the community has filled a need how did you find that need and who did
would you work with to find transportation choices to fill that need? As we were going through our meetings with the various agencies, we met with one more child, and actually one more child did a presentation to the city commission at a city commission meeting that I attended and started talking about their single mom program and talking about the fact that these single moms, one of their biggest problems was their transportation needs. So I followed up with them, and we started talking. The One More Child uh, one more child has a program called the Family Support Program for the working poor at the 200% poverty level. And once a month, these families can access the resources at their Compassion Center. And these resources include food, clothing, household appliances, um, and also workshops. But they're not able to get there frequently. So we started brainstorming. We put together a committee and started brainstorming about how could we address this need. And we involved um, Pastor Lake, who is at <clears throat> New Bethel AME Church and also chair of the IMA, the Ministerial Alliance, Doretta Wilcox from our committee, and the staff from uh, Florida Baptist Children's Home, Leon Battle, and Daryl Starling. And started looking at, could we use, because one of the things that had come out when we were meeting with the various agencies in our larger committee, was the fact that buses sit at churches all day and aren't being used. And could we work with the churches to utilize these buses to provide transportation uh, to the community that needed to access the Family Support Center? So as we were working together on it and, and sort of brainstorming, City of Refuge Church in the Jewel Avenue neighborhood came forward and was willing to be our pilot. And we have been working on operationalizing this project for several months now and also looking for sources of funding. We have a bus, we have a driver, we have insurance, um, we have the families and we are putting together the expectations for those families and our schedule and plan on starting it February 1st, assuming that we get funding for the pilot project. And we are working also with Lynn Simpkins at the city to potentially identify a source of funding for the pilot project. We also, during this time, met with the Ministerial Alliance and talked about once we did this 90-day pilot, using other, getting to the other churches in the other neighborhoods that also utilize the services at One More Child. So this is just one example. Also during this time, uh, the Reroute 2020 was developed and implemented in October, which also extended the uh, time frame for which workers could get to and from work. Our other project that we'll be working on starting in the new year is to hold a human resources roundtable, working with Career Source and Stacy Campbell Dominic, and bringing in large employers in Lakeland as well as some medium-sized businesses, staffing agencies, the Citrus Connection, and others, to discuss the transportation needs of the workers. 
So it sounds like the committee's been very busy looking at a lot of different aspects of uh, really connecting things. And uh, I'm sure you agree with me, uh, because you and I have both been involved in Lakeland Vision since the very beginning, uh, that Lakeland Vision is really looking for those connections. And so often in our community, people are doing wonderful things but they don't know other people are doing those wonderful things or someone's working on uh, trying to solve a problem and they don't know other people are doing that. So uh, that's really a role that I've seen Lakeland Vision play in trying to get those people together. And it sounds like this committee is really having some real success in those efforts. So That's true. And Lakeland Vision is the facilitator. It's really forming those partnerships between the other agencies and then stepping back. Yes, and I think that's really when we talk about Lakeland Vision as a collaborator and communicator and an inviter of people in the community to help us uh, have those dialogues that the, your efforts are a good example of that. Thank you. Pat, I understand that you're involved in the potential for new transportation corridors in Florida, known as MCORs. Can you tell us what that stands for? Yes, and this is kind of a, a hot word, and uh, if you go on your search engine and uh, or Google and do MCORs, M-C-O-R-E-S, uh, you'll discover all kinds of things about this and, and also be directed to the overall website for that. Um, MCOR stands for Multi-Use Corridors of Regional Economic Significance. Uh, and it is a program that's intended to do a number of things, uh, which include uh, revitalizing rural communities, encouraging job creation, providing regional connectivity while leveraging technology, uh, enhancing quality of life, public safety, but it's also very centered on trying to protect the environment and natural resources. Um, this program came into being uh, from the last legislative session when a new law was uh, approved that said there would be three new potential transportation corridors studied in uh, the state of Florida. And one of those corridors includes Polk County and is known as the Southwest to Central Florida Corridor. Uh, and that is actually defined very broadly as Collier County to Polk County. Uh, and this corridor uh, study area actually includes nine counties, so that's a very large area. And uh, because this is each one of these corridors in the state uh, would be both connecting to urban areas uh, such as what we have in Polk County or you would have in southwest Florida, and in between, though, you will be going through areas should this corridor come to be uh, that are currently more rural and also that may have significant environmental resources. A big part of this is ensuring that the work that is done related to that uh, would be uh, focused on uh, being very sensitive to environmental issues. And so therefore that's a big part of what is also included along with economic development and transportation, the mobility for both people and goods. Um, and just in general, the definition of the MCORs would be that when we say multi-use, it would include things that we would consider for things like hurricane evacuation, uh, 
obviously trying to relieve congestion of certain other roadways in Florida. It would also include, uh, be an important part of trade and logistics in Florida and the transportation to support that. Uh, broadband, it specifically calls out, and as we know, that's one of the things that we're all very interested in. Also, energy distribution, uh, looking at our future, things like autonomous or connected vehicles and how that might uh, be able to use, utilize a corridor. And then certainly the idea of wildlife protection that might occur as facilities are built to ensure that we uh, can continue to have our wildlife protected, that they would have the habitat they need, and that we would find a way for them to coexist with um, our transportation system. So those are some of the things that are being considered as part of it. So M course includes a lot of different things, um, and uh, this is just kind of the beginning process of that. Thank you. Task force members were na named to guide the development of these potential corridors. Since you're a member of the Southwest to Central Florida Corridor Task Force, can you explain what that means? What is the role of the task force? Well, one of the things I, I think that uh, as task force member, we have now had three meetings of this task force, and uh, it's a very educational process. The people that are on this, we have about 45 members, uh, that come from those nine counties. Uh, and those members include elected officials. Uh, we have representatives from the MPOs or transportation planning organizations. We have uh, people that represent economic development issues. We have people that represent uh, workforce. We have people that represent the environmental community. Uh, and the, the business community at large, and also uh, other people that may be involved in organizations like the one I represent, which is the Central Florida Regional Planning Council, where I'm the executive director. Um, and in the task force, our goal is really to bring our knowledge from the different aspects of the communities in those nine counties as to what things are important uh, in terms of uh, developing guiding principles. This stage of the task force is something that's never been required of other transportation quarters. So it's kind of like the pre-effort uh, that's going to go because we rare, when we look at new quarters, they're usually small quarters. Uh, this one would be more in the neighborhood of maybe even 140 miles. So it's a very large, significant quarter. And so in looking at those aspects, it does really call upon us to bring that local knowledge what is important to our communities, what's important to our environment, what is important to um, economic development and, and the, the transportation needs as well as um, community needs. So the guiding principles will help determine what will then direct the additional studies that would actually look at where this corridor might go in the future. Um, so that's the work that we're now doing as we bring together uh, really our general knowledge, a lot of very, good information that's been provided by the Florida Department of Transportation and their support teams and is readily available to the public. Thank you. So with this potential new corridor, what might a Polk County connection mean to Lakeland? Um, one of the things that we have in Polk County is we have the uh, Polk Parkway, which has been in existence now for a couple of uh, decades. We also have another roadway that is in our long-term plans and has had some funding from the Department of Transportation known as the Central Polk Parkway. Um, 
Since we don't know for sure if this corridor will be built in the future, it's an exploratory beginning part of that. But if it should, my personal opinion is I believe that this connection from this new corridor that we coming from southwest Florida would have a connection likely to that central Polk Parkway. That would be a facility that would run from the existing Polk Parkway to the east, uh, kind of paralleling State Road 60, also then going and paralleling US 27 as it would go northward back to I-4. So somewhere in that length of that proposed facility, which is much further along in the planning design uh, and other things to being built, I would envision that there would be a connection from this new corridor to southwest Florida. So where along the Polk Parkway might that be? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> and this is a $64,000 question, I might say. Um, those decisions would actually be made once it's considered whether or not this corridor is warranted and and would be uh, determined to be needed and and we would say, uh, as opposed to no build is an option. But if it is to be built, then, then looking at where it would be built would be part of that next phase beyond the task force's work. But I would say somewhere, uh, in my humble opinion, generally between, uh, well, let me say, east of Lakeland proper at this point, because that's where the existing Polk Parkway is. But if you think east of that, then connections would likely be uh, along that way. Thank you. What is the time frame for the task force to complete its work? And how do interested citizens provide their input or find out what happens with these corridors? Well, one of the most important parts of this has been how that uh, really the state uh, in the legislation said that the public must be engaged and the task force is intended to help bring that public engagement in to bring in uh, as much knowledge as possible during the task force process. And so there is uh, opportunities all along the way for citizens to either go to the website and provide input, to come to meetings. There are both meetings of the task force and there's open house meetings uh, that follow so that uh, each time there is a meeting, there then is a meeting in another county to help bring that information uh, available to that county. And the meetings are moving around all the different nine counties uh, throughout the process. Uh, and the public is offered to come and provide uh, direct testimony to send it in by writing, to do it electronically, or to actually come and provide their public comment directly into the record uh, in front of the task force as well. So that is an, an ongoing process throughout the entire time. There's not just one period of time for a public comment. Uh, this process, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, really uh, began uh, formation in August with uh, meetings this fall. Uh, our third meeting was uh, earlier in December. We have a fourth meeting uh, coming up in February. Uh, there's going to be a total of nine of these meetings. And the final meeting will actually be in September in Lakeland at Polk State College. And that will be when the task force will finalize their report uh, as a result of their charge from the legislature to uh, convene, explore, put together uh, their uh, input into it and their their guiding principles, and then that will be uh, finalized uh, at that meeting in September, and the report itself then in October will be issued. 
So as a member of the public, how can I find out the schedule of these meetings? Well, one of the best ways uh, is for everyone that does have access is, again, you can simply Google or use your web browser and put in M-C-O-R-E-S, or the actual website that supports this is floridamcores.com. Uh, there is vast amount of information. It will tell you phone numbers if you want to talk to real people. Uh, it will tell you the meeting schedule. It will give you access to all the information that we have received as task force members. And it will also give you opportunities to find out how you can really, uh, what I call deep dive into the technology. We actually have a GIS, Geographic Information System, that's been developed that people can go in and put in their hypothetical uh, routes and areas of concern and things. So um, there are a lot of things that tools that have been developed in this and a vast amount of information that has been uh, developed just so far. And again, we're not quite halfway in the process. And again, that's floridamcores.com. That's correct. Thank you. Well, I've had a chance to talk about transportation corridors a little bit, but I would like to uh, turn a little bit to our one of our other focuses uh, in Lakeland Vision. And out of those four focus areas that we mentioned earlier, one of our focus areas is jobs for a vibrant economy. And the transportation goal related to roadways and mobilities, mobility states, our community will improve the overall mobility of our citizens while ensuring our transportation system supports a strong economy. An important part of Lakeland's economy and transportation system is Lakeland Lender International Airport. We are pleased to have Jean Conrad, our airport director, with us this morning. And so I have a few questions. Jean, there have been many changes at the airport and in the area that surrounds the airport. Can you tell us about the changes that added international to the airport's name? Well, thank you for having me. Um, so over the last 10 years, I've been, it, actually January will be 10 years I've been here as the airport director. Um, we've seen tremendous amount of change, not only at our airport, but obviously the entire sector that surrounds us. There is a lot happening um, as, as I speak right now, but in regards to international, um, we, prior to our, us changing our designation, we were Lakeland Linder Regional Airport. Um, we have now changed it obviously to international and have that designation because we now have U.S. Customs and Border Protection that is located at our facilities. So what that means for us right now is that you know general aviation aircraft 20 seats or less can now fly into the airport from anywhere in the world. Now we have a facility that's dedicated to clearing of those individuals that come in um, for aircraft that are 20 seats or less. But that is just our first phase for what we believe is obviously a vibrant future. Um, it took us four years to get that installed and in place. Um, so we wanted to be ready for you know potential international opportunities when they come down the line. And some of those are, are commercial international flights from various destinations, whether it's South America or potentially Europe. Um, but then also cargo um, as well. Air cargo is something that we are moving into now as we speak. I'm not sure we'll talk about that here shortly, but that will help us moving forward as well because it's really, it's, as we all know, it's a global community and things are moving, whether it's people or packages um, are moving around internationally and we need to be prepared for that. Well, it's been very exciting and as I've reminded everyone I know, be sure to change their name and all your information because we're very proud that Lakeland now has an international airport. Um, I know that uh, in the airport area, you're really surrounded by one of the largest logistics cluster of jobs in Florida. I I've heard that noted across the state. 
and how is that changing the role of Lakeland Lender in the community and in aviation? Well, again, as you know, I just mentioned, as we know, and if you live in the southwest sector of Lakeland, you know there is tremendous growth, and you know logistics is, is part of that. And we are very vibrant, and it is happening. Some days I'm, I'm driving around, and I can't believe there's another building that just had popped up. Um, but we, we, we are part of that. Um, I know people are happy with it, and they're not happy with it, and I'll talk a little bit about that here shortly. But, you know, specifically for the airport, what is happening is because of this logistics cluster, we have Amazon coming on board. And, you know, e-commerce is obviously very, very important to our daily lives and also to this region because Amazon has one facility here. They're getting ready to build another one in Auburndale. Um, and obviously our air cargo hub that's coming to our airport here in June. And because of all that growth, you know, obviously we're doing a tremendous amount of work on the airport as we, as, as we speak. Well over $200 million in investment that's occurring on the airport today. Um, but then when you look around as well, you know, a lot of folks are worried about the roads and how are the roads and the systems going to be able to support all of that. But, you know, one thing that the airport is doing because of our growth and because of Amazon coming on board and our abilities to, you know, with the increased traffic from their aircraft and also with the truck traffic, we're going to be able to participate in what's known as the SIS program um, for the state. So we've been talking to the Florida Department of Transportation, and that's the st strategic intermodal system. And when there's a different pot of monies that we're going to be able, not only for the airport, but also for the roads around the airport, that we're going to be able to start working in um, to continue to improve the infrastructure around our facility. Because if it's not if it's not the neighborhoods that are being built around the airport, but when you look at all the, the businesses and the warehousing and the logistics, um, the offices that are being built there. Geico has over 3,500 people in their facilities on the south side of the airport and more office coming as well. So we, we're focused on the airport, but we're also focused on the environs around us and making sure we can, we can move around the, the sector. I'm very excited to hear that you're going to get a designation as a SIS facility because uh, I've been somewhat involved in that from the state level and the questions has been how large would you have to have a facility before it could qualify because we hadn't had any that had qualified and the example that someone brought up might be the area around Lakeland lenders so we're very happy to hear that's going forward that does mean a new potential revenue stream for transportation in Lakeland which is very important and, and so. I think one thing that people forget too is Lake our Publix and their corporate headquarters is just one mile north of the airport and they're doing an expansion and adding 700 more associates in that facility as well so again there's just a tremendous amount of growth um, and we want to be able to support that because it is important not only to our airport but the, the city of Lakeland Yes, we're always happy when we're able to uh, expand our existing uh, industries and businesses as well as bring some new ones in. Um, I know that you're working on a master plan update right now for the airport and that many projects are currently underway. As you mentioned, there's construction everywhere. But could you tell us some of the things that will be changing and what that means for Lakeland's transportation? Well, you know, again, I've been here for almost 10 years and right when I arrived, you know, um, back in 2011, we, um, we, we went through a master plan effort, um, and, you know, it's my first opportunity and my team's first opportunity to really focus on what do we want to be uh, essentially when we grow up, right? <laughs> and, you know, it really, it, it, you know, it's a 20-year plan, but we're really laser-focused on that first five years, and then as we move into the, into, the, into the 10th year, you know, that's where a lot of our focus lies. But, you know, from that first master plan when I arrived, we've basically accomplished everything. I mean, we've spent a lot of time and effort to make sure our infrastructure is where it needs to be because we knew over time, because where we sit geographically and with I-4 and the Polk Parkway and these other opportunities, 
that you know we don't want to miss miss when the iron's hot and when these opportunities like Amazon come to us we need to be prepared and that's what we've been laser focused on but now after all this development over these last 10 years what is next and what we have what we have planned and what we have what we are planning we're having a public meeting here January 15th is we are we're going to have a massive swing or massive change or sea change at the airport to the tune of we're going to build another new runway so right now we have an 8,500 foot runway which runs east-west and then we have a smaller crosswind runway which runs um, northeast and southwest and it's about 5,000 feet. We are going to demolish and get rid of that runway, essentially realign that runway to the south of our big runway that runs east-west so it will better set us up for our future um, and, and what we believe is it will come to us over time because again where we sit geographically and everything in Tampa and Orlando can only move towards us and so you know as whether we talk about you know I've continued uh, cargo growth with Amazon or its commercial air service, which we've been focused on and we're, we continue to work on, um, we believe will be be at our facility at some point here in the near future. You know, we need to prepare our facility for that next 20 years, even if you look out to 50 years, because this runway, this new runway that we'll build um, will be 7,400 feet and will make our airport very, very capable, you know, not only for what we do on a year-round basis, but again, for the future. And I will tell you, in some of our planning, what we do, we are planning for Unfortunately, you know, we live in Florida and there are hurricanes and things happen. Um, but when we look at our infrastructure, we plan for, unfortunately, the worst case scenario, too. So even though it's a kind of more it's a little bit more difficult with our funding partners at FAA and FDOT to get them to focus on those long term needs or those what ifs, uh, we focus on those things and prepare ourselves because, you know, things are going to happen, whether we want them to all be good. But even if, you know, things aren't so good that we're going to be prepared to, you know, have a facility that's robust and can handle things to, to help our community and our citizens. Thank you, Pat and Jean, for joining us this morning. This in Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications, truly a community working together to provide an exceptional quality of life.